0: Good morning. I'd like to join with the others and welcome everyone to services. This morning we're going to talk about Luke chapter 8 verses 4 through 15. We're going to talk about four different types of soil that Jesus talked about in a parable. And the question that I want us to answer at the end of this is which type of soil represents us and represents our heart. So as we begin looking at Luke chapter 8, what we call the parable of the sower, we're going to dig into this parable of the sower this morning, not to... Uh, pun intended there, but we're, we're going to go ahead and dig into that. We're going to look at, at Jesus' teaching here. And as, as we begin to see the, the beginning of this parable, we see that many people are starting to hear of Jesus and his popularity is spreading. People are hearing about his word. They're hearing about the miraculous deeds that he's doing and they want to know more. And what we see is, as we pick up, that people are coming from all of the towns that surround, surrounded him at that time and traveling just to hear Jesus speak. And that's what we see in verse 4. It says, And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell among the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture." And some fell among thorns, and some grew up with it and choked it, and some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said, and as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So what strikes me about this parable is that Jesus, in most parables, would give an explanation to everybody who heard that parable. In this parable, unless it's, not just, it's just not mentioned here, we don't see that the crowd as a whole gets that explanation. And I think there's a reason for that, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But as we continue to read this, not everyone understands what Jesus is trying to get across here. Not everybody understands what he's trying to convey with this message in this parable. Now, we know when we look at parables, they were things that related to the people of the time. So in this case, the people understood the sower and how that sower sowed seed. And understood that different types of soil would do better with that seed. Some soil would not allow that seed to germinate. They understood that. So, as he's talking about this, what we see in the next verse is that the disciples ask him about that. And if you look at Matthew chapter 3, they they ask, or Matthew's, not Matthew chapter 3, Matthew's interpretation of this what you see is that they actually ask him, why do you speak in parables? And he, and he gives them that explanation, but they wanted to understand more of what he was talking about. In verse nine, he says, and when his disciples asked him what the parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. So what's interesting to me about this parable in general, again, is that it wasn't explained to these people. If these people in the crowd were to understand what they were saying, they were going to have to do a little work. And this is kind of what separates the men from the boys, as they say. Are they just going to hear the word and then go on with their lives? Or are they going to put some effort into actually understanding it, comprehending it, and see what Jesus is trying to convey to them in this message? And what's funny about that is this, I'm sure, in this crowd is playing out. This whole parable is playing out right in front of their eyes. Because no doubt there were people in that crowd whose heart was represented by the path, whose heart was represented by the rock, whose heart was represented by the, the thorns, and whose heart was represented by the good soil. No doubt that was playing out as he was speaking to that. They probably just didn't realize it at that point. He was talking about them. And that's what he's, exactly what he's saying in verse 8 when he says, "...he who has ears to hear, let him hear." In essence, what he's saying is, I'm challenging you. I'm giving you this parable, and I'm challenging you to comprehend it, to understand it, to let it change who you are. And I think that's exactly what he's trying to get across here, and that's the challenge he's giving to these people. But the sad part is, is there were going to be some people there who are going to walk away and never think another thing about it. I assume there's probably some people who, traveled that distance to hear a great teaching from Jesus Christ, and they walk away with the idea, I know about sowing seed. Why did I need to hear about this? And they probably didn't think another thing about it. But no doubt, just like the disciples, there were other people there who wanted to know more, who wanted to learn about what Jesus Christ was trying to say. And they probably talked with each other tried to figure it out together. Some of them may have went to Jesus at a later time. Some of them may have talked to the disciples who, gets, who get the explanation here in just a little bit. But there were some people there who just didn't receive the word. And I think we can see that in the hearts of people today who hear the word of God, but it's just that basic under, that basic level of hearing. You hear it And then you don't think about it again. And it makes no change. The intended idea of what's supposed to happen, the intended uh, consequence of what's supposed to come from hearing the Word of God never happens because they don't put the effort into it. They don't search into receiving that Word and truly seeing what He has to say. And it's not that the Word of God is not powerful enough. And that day it wasn't powerful enough to reach every person there. Because it's more than powerful enough to do that. We can see that in verses like Romans 1 and verse 16, where he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. The word of God is powerful. And it was powerful enough to reach everyone in that audience that day. And it's powerful enough to reach everyone in this audience today because it has that much power. But the fact is, is, this teaching was more than about that surface level of hearing. It went deeper than that. It was about receiving the word of God. Having a heart that was ready and cultivated to allow that word of God to take root in their hearts and to grow and to build their faith and to mold how they live their lives. The idea is that there's different types of hearers and how that hearer receives is dependent on how they take in that word of God. And what that all boils down to is where's their heart? What is the condition of the heart of the hearer? Because that's going to make all the difference in the world. When we look at Luke chapter 6 and verse 45, he teaches, he says, the good person out of the good treasure of their heart produces good and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I understand this is talking about the condition of the heart is shown through the way we talk and the way we live and the way we make decisions, all of those things. But I also believe that this applies, the condition of our heart applies to how we receive the word of God. And I think that's exactly what he's trying to get across in this parable. If our heart is not in a proper condition, we're not gonna be able to receive the word of God like we should. And our lives will not change and the decisions we make will not be affected But if our heart is in a proper place where we can receive the word of God and it takes root, it will change our lives. But it's all about our heart. You know Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, you think about the children of Israel. And you think about the fact that they were the children of Israel. They had the word of God. And yet they walked away from God over and over and over. And they'd get themselves into trouble And then they cry out to God for help. And then he would help. And then they get themselves back in that position. It was just a cycle for them. And here's what what is said in Jeremiah. He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It's all about our heart. Is our heart ready to take in the word of God? Is our heart in a position to allow the word of God to change who we are? And I wanna look at this parable just a little bit different this morning. When I think of this parable, usually what I think about is me going out, me trying to teach other people, and how those people are going to receive the Word of God. In Psalm chapter 22, in verse, or 26 in verse 2, the writer says, Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind. And this is what I hope Scripture can do for us this morning. Let's not think about other people that we're trying to reach with the gospel, while that is a a great teaching and reason to use this parable, I want us to consider our own hearts. I want the Word of God to test our hearts. I want it to test our minds. And hopefully this morning we can be honest with ourselves and us sitting in this pew this morning, we can consider where is our heart today, What is the condition of our heart? Is our heart in a proper place where we're ready to receive the word of God? Are there other things that are keeping us from being the person and the Christian that God would desire us to be? So let's talk about those soils this morning. The first one he talks about is the path. We see that in Luke chapter eight and verse five going back. It says, a sower went out to sow his seed and as he sowed, some fell among the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. So this is that first type of soil. No doubt that sower is going out. He's reaching into his, his little, I don't know what you'd call that, maybe a fanny pack in our day, maybe. But he's, he's grabbing that seed and he's just gonna toss it. And as he's walking in that, in that field, there's, there's definitely gonna be a path that he walks over and over. And it's gonna get packed down. When I think about this, I think about this dog we used to have. His name was Max. And he was this little Jack Russell Terrier. And I've never seen an animal or any, any living thing that had more energy than that dog. But if we let him out of the back door, he would run to one corner of the backyard and he would go one side to the other, one side to the other. And I bet he would do it thousands of times a day if we wouldn't let him. We eventually at some point had to go put him inside because he was was killing himself. He was just going back and forth. And as he did that, he never strayed from his path. And there was grass there when we first got into that house. But after about two weeks, he had packed that so down that the grass was dead And if you went to go try to replant some grass and you took a shovel to it, it was like hitting rock because his little feet were pattering over and over just packing that down. And that's exactly what he's trying to get across here. That path was was so packed that that seed, while it was thrown and it hit some of the good ground, inevitably it's gonna fall in the path too. And there's no possible way that that seed is going to be able to penetrate that path. And what happens? It leaves it vulnerable, and the birds are going to come and eat it, and they're going to take it away. Well, he gives an explanation to the disciples about this in in verse 12. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 12, he says, The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. He's comparing this to a heart that is so hard with sin that the word of God will not penetrate it, at least without some help. It's so hard that if nothing is done, the word of God will never penetrate it and Satan's just gonna take that message away. And I think we can see this characterized in a lot of different ways, but I think the main characteristic, when we see a person who has a heart that's hardened like this, it's that idea that these people have a lack of a fear of God. They don't have that reverence for God. They're not scared of the consequences of not serving God. They just don't. It, it doesn't bother them. And that's because that sin has pushed them to that point. And I think we can see that in many different examples. You know, if if you look at Proverbs 1 and verse 7, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. If we don't fear God, when is that knowledge? When is that wisdom going to begin? When are we going to allow the word of God to penetrate our heart and help us to grow and help us to be the person we need to be? We're not. And I think of that in many different ways. It doesn't necessarily mean somebody who doesn't believe. Maybe they believe, but maybe they're pretty comfortable with their sin. Maybe they don't want to give up that sin. And actually allowing God's word to penetrate their heart would mean that they would have to change and get that sin out of their lives. But they don't fear God enough to make that change. They don't want to get out of their comfort zone of being in that sin. Maybe it's those people who are just against God's word making that change. You know, I think of the Jews of Jesus' time. You look at John 1 and verse 11, it says, He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him. You had people, you had people like the Pharisees who understood the Word of God, who knew the Word of God, who knew the prophecies that were made about Jesus Christ, and now you have this man, Jesus Christ, here, and he's fulfilling those prophecies, but yet I'm not going to make a change because I don't want to lose my way of life. I don't want to lose my authority. I don't want to change. Maybe it's those people who deny god we're warned about those people in psalms 14 and verse 1 it says the fool says in his heart there's no god they are corrupt they do abominable deeds there is none who does good you know there's people out there who will denounce god and deny god even to say he doesn't exist and that jesus christ is not the son of god and they might ridicule us for our message but you may be asking this is not what we are we're not talking about going and and talking to other people are we We're not talking about us spreading the gospel and the hearers that we're going to encounter. We're talking about ourselves, right? We're all here on a Sunday morning. We all believe in God. Why are we talking about this kind of heart? I'm going to tell you, I believe that as a Christian, our heart can revert back to a heart that's so hardened that we're not receiving the Word of God. And I will tell you that because I've been there. I've been in that position. I've been to a point in my life where I was here on Sunday mornings. I was here on Sunday nights. I was here on Wednesday. I went to every meeting. I was at every fellowship I could possibly be. But when I left this building, I wasn't where I needed to be. My heart wasn't right with God. I wasn't living the life that I should. And you know what the scary part is? Is no one knew it. I hid it. I was able to hide it from everyone. And that's scary. And if you sit here this morning and you think that can't be the characteristic of somebody in this audience this morning or somebody in the audience all around the world that's in a worship service to God, we're wrong. Because this is a slow process, isn't it? Sometimes. Sometimes that heart hardens a little bit at a time and the more we sin, the harder it gets to eventually one day... We make the decision to walk out the door and never come back. And if we're in that position this morning, we have to allow God's word to make a change. We have to fix it. The next soil he talks about is the rock. In Luke chapter eight and verse six, he says, and some fell on the rock and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. So after doing a little study on this, we come to find out in that area of the world that there was some limestone deposits around there and that limestone would sit just under the surface of the dirt. So again, that sower's throwing out that seed and it lands on a spot where there's some limestone under the dirt. And actually that limestone is gonna help it at first. The warmth from the limestone will help that, that seed start to take root. But the problem is it's going to block it from growing the root system it needs. And it won't be able to get the moisture and the nutrients it needs to continue to grow. And eventually it's just either gonna wither away and die or somebody's gonna come pull it. Have you ever found a, a weed that's growing on some rock that has a little bit of dirt on it? It's pretty easy to pull up, isn't it? Because it doesn't have a root system established to keep it where it needs to be. When I think of this, I think of sequoia trees. This is, uh, there's a Sequoia National Park in California. We've been to it a couple of times. And it's one of the most amazing places I've ever seen in my life. I mean, these trees are massive. In fact, in another lesson I did, I I showed a picture of my family. There's six of us standing in front of one of these trees, and we're not even close to the width of one of these trees. They're massive. But one thing that they taught us the last time we were there, we talked to uh, uh, somebody about it. I can't remember, like a ranger or something. And they said, one thing about these trees is they don't develop a deep root system. So when a uncharacteristically strong storm may come and those winds are really high, sometimes it causes them to blow over because the root system can't support the size of those trees. And maybe that's what happened to this tree, I don't know. But Jesus compares us to that sometimes. In Luke chapter 8, verse 13, he says, and the ones on the rock are those who when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. What I automatically think about this is a new Christian, a Christian who has a zeal and a desire, and they're running on emotion because they're saved. They've obeyed the gospel, and that emotion is is, is strong, but they never go and develop that spiritual root system that they need, and it leaves them vulnerable to the storms. And what happens when that emotion is gone and they haven't built their faith like they should? A lot of times when those storms of life come, what are they gonna do? They're gonna walk away. But I'm gonna tell you this morning, I don't think that applies just to new Christians. I I think that could apply to what we might call a veteran Christian, a Christian that's been in the church for decades and decades. Maybe they've been there and they've just been lucky to have a life that hasn't really and they haven't developed the root system that they need and when that happens when that storm comes they can't handle it or maybe it's somebody who decides you know I've been doing this for decades I've been doing this for 40 years I think I've learned enough and they stop studying daily they stop taking in the word of god they stop praying they start stop living the life that they should they're going to regress aren't they and again that leaves them vulnerable and again, I think that is characteristic of somebody who could be sitting in our audience today. We've got to be careful about that. The next type of soil that talks about is the thorns. In Luke chapter eight and verse seven, he says, "And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it." So again, when he talks about the thorns, that would be comparable to what we call maybe a weed, right? A weed in our yard. So that sun and the moisture that that plant gets, that seed gets, it's going to start establishing its root system. It's gonna start growing. But if you don't take those weeds out, they're gonna choke out what you intend to grow, aren't they? And I think we can all, I think we can all understand this. If you have a yard in West Texas, we, we plant grasses like Bermuda and fescue. And if you give them enough water and they get the right sunlight, they're gonna grow, but they're not near as hardy as those weeds that are native to West Texas, right? So if you have one little weed in your yard, if you don't take care of that one weed before you know it, you might have a whole backyard full of weeds. I speak from experience here. My backyard is crazy. I try to, keep, I, I try to save the front yard, but the backyard is too far gone. I'm, it's gonna need an overhaul because the weeds got out of control because we didn't take care of the issue when it needed to be taken care of, so in Luke chapter eight fourteen he says, "And as for those for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature." So maybe a, you're a person who became a Christian, and you intend to focus on God. You intend to put your focus on Jesus Christ and His Word. But you don't get rid of the cares, the riches, and the pleasures. And those things are now competing with your time and your service to God. You now I think about the cares. Those are the worries, the anxieties. And I'm sure some of you know exactly what I'm about to talk about right now because this is my problem, and it has been my whole life. I struggle. Now, I will say I've come so far on this. I feel so much more prepared because of God's word. Not because of anything I've done, but because I'm starting to learn to lean on his word. And I'm so much farther along in this than I was even a year ago, even two years ago. I'm so much better when it comes to this. But I still find myself at times running things through my head that I can't control, but I want so badly to control. And I just can't do it. But I will tell you, there have been times in my life, there was a specific time in my life when I was so worried that my mind was so full of the cares and the worries of this life that I lost 20 pounds in two weeks. I couldn't eat. My stomach hurt. I wasn't sleeping. I was physically ill because I was so worried about this problem that I couldn't control I don't even remember what that problem was now. I don't. And that's so characteristic of this word. We put so much time and so much effort in trying to fix these things on our own. Five or six years later, we don't even remember what they were. Because in the whole scheme of life, they're not that important. And they're not things we need to be worrying about. And I think of Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. He says, Do not be anxious about anything and everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I've leaned on this verse. He says, Don't be anxious about anything, but instead pray to God. Understand what you can be thankful for and be thankful to God for those things. And do it with all your heart. He says, When you do that, he says, The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You want your heart to be guarded? Give those worries to God. Pull those weeds. What about the riches? What about the riches? When our pursuit for riches becomes more important than our pursuit of God, we need to pull that weed, don't we? How many times have we known people who are so dedicated to getting more and more and more in this worldly life, in this earthly life, that they walk away from God because they didn't pull that weed, and it became a huge problem for them. So huge that it took up their whole thought process, just like it does our worries sometimes. I think about Luke chapter 12, and I think of that rich farmer that farmer who had worked his whole life and dedicated his whole life to getting to that point where he could take it easy. And we see he finally accomplishes that. His barns are full. He has this bumper crop. He has all he needs to live for years and years and years. But guess what God says? Tonight, you're gonna die. Tonight, your soul is required of you and whose are those things gonna be? That's so true, isn't it? We work so hard to gain all of these things in earth. And I heard, a, I heard somebody talking about this. In 100 years, nobody's gonna know my name. And they're certainly not gonna know all the things I have. Because these things are worthless, they're pointless. So I can invest my time and my energy on finding these riches and make that my one goal, my one priority. But in the end, it's going to mean nothing. Or I can choose to focus on God and have everything I ever need for eternity. Let's pull that weed. What about the pleasures? In our society, we're always searching for happiness. We look for it in everywhere that... We shouldn't look for it. We look for happiness and joy in our entertainment, in our stuff, in our worldly friendships, in our jobs, but we never think to look for the only place that we're promised to have joy and happiness, and that's in Jesus Christ. A lot of times we fail to look in the proper place. Trevor did a whole study on the book of Philippians saying just that. We need to look for joy in that proper place in Jesus Christ, in his word. 1 John two seventeen it says, And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Those worldly pleasures are going to last for a second. Let's put our focus on God, and we'll have that for an eternity. Let's pull that weed. William Law kind of sums this up. He says, if you have not chosen the kingdom of God first, it will in the end make no difference what you have chosen instead, and that's true. It doesn't matter. If, we're, if our mind is so filled with, with anxiety or worry and we're letting that push God out, we need to fix it. If our mind is so filled with, with searching out those riches and it pushes God out, we need to fix it. If it's all about finding that pleasure in worldly things, And pushing God out, let's fix it. Let's pull those weeds and let's put our focus where it needs to be. God has, Jesus Christ has to be our priority in this life. And finally, he talks about the good soil. In Luke chapter eight, it says, and some fell into the good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. This is the type of soil we all wanna have. This is the type of heart we all should desire to have. I think of, you know, on the days that we live here and I question Why anybody chose to settle in the panhandle of Texas when the wind's blowing about 150 miles an hour, and we say that's a normal day. When I question that, I think about certain things. And one thing I think about is when I drive south here in the fall, and you look to the left, you look to the right, and you see fields of white, you see that cotton. And you think about that farmer who planted that cotton, and you think about the work they put into it and the effort they put into it. Their goal and hard work is on full display in that that field. But you want to know what that cotton started with? A seed. A seed that landed in good soil. It landed in good soil, and now it's produced fruit. Crazy amounts of fruit compared to the size of that seed. We're like that if we have a proper heart. In Luke chapter 8, verse 15, he says, And as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So he said, if you have a heart that's represented by that good soil, you hear the word, You keep that word and you learn about it and you allow it to take root in your heart and you persevere because you're going to be able to lean on that word and it's going to make you stronger and you're going to be able to get through the storms of life. And through that whole process, you're going to produce fruit. You're going to produce fruit in your example and how you relate to other people. You're going to produce fruit by bringing other people to Christ when you teach them and they see that the blessings that come from a life lived in Jesus Christ. But you're also going to produce fruit in yourself. In how you make decisions. In how you live your life. In the people you choose to to spend time with. In the decisions you use to to spend your time, the things you use to spend your time on. You're going to produce fruit and you're going to grow. And that word of God is going to mold you. And it's going to make you to be the person who God wants you to be but it's all about the heart. It's all about us having that proper heart. So that challenge he gave to those in that crowd that day, he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And I hope this morning we have been able to honestly look at our own heart. To consider, is my heart a heart that's represented by the path? Is it hard? Is it not allowing the word of God in? Is my heart represented by that heart of stone where I have, or that heart that, that seed that fell on the stone that I'm just not growing the root system, the faith that I need? Is my heart represented by the thorns where I haven't pulled those weeds? Or is it represented by the good soil? It's all about our willingness to allow the word of God to penetrate our heart and make that change in our life. Are we doing that today? Hearing the word and actively hearing the word are two completely different things. And I'm gonna tell on myself a little bit this morning. My wife will tell you I'm not the best listener. I know you guys probably don't believe that, but I am not the best listener. And there's times when I may be sitting on the couch, she's like, I need you to go take out the trash. This is not a big job. This is at tops five minutes. If you include putting the bag back in, which sometimes I forget to do. It's not that big of a job, right? She says, I'm gonna go to the store. I just need you to take out the trash while I'm gone. I'm like, okay, honey, I'll, I'll get that done. And about 30 minutes later, I might get up and I might say, where's Gianna?" I heard the words, didn't process it. I didn't comprehend it. I didn't understand it. And I'll ask the girls, where's where's your mom? And they'll say, well, she went to the source. She told you. I'm like, oh yeah, she did, didn't she? And you know what I do? I go take out, no, I don't go take out the trash. I go and I sit down and I resume my football game or whatever I'm doing. And I forget to take out the trash. And Jana comes home and I can't understand why she is annoyed. Like, what's wrong? She's like, you had one job. One job, that's it. So then I go and I take the trash out. But you see, I didn't actively hear. I didn't hear the word. I heard it, but I didn't actively hear it. Actively hearing means that we hear it, but we allow it to make a change. We allow it to motivate us to do what we need to do. And I think Job is a perfect example of that. We were talking the other day, I think Job can be, Perfect example for just about anything. But Job was a pretty good guy. Good enough that God, that God allowed Satan to kind of do with him what he wanted to do. And we know he lost everything. He lost, he lost his livestock. He lost his, his family. His friends were no help at all, and his wife was even worse. She says, curse God and die. And yet he perseveres and he does a pretty good job at this. But it gets to a point where he kind of gets a little bitter, I think. And he starts arguing with God. And he argues with God and God puts him in his place, rightly so. Basically says, were you here when I formed the earth? Do you understand? Basically, you have no clue. These were rhetorical questions, by the way. The answer was no, because Job was not. Job couldn't comprehend. But as Job was corrected there, he makes a statement starting in Job chapter 42 and verse 2, and he says, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, what I which I did not know. Hear and I will speak. I will question you, and you will make known you will make it known to me. Now listen to what he says in verse five. He says, I had heard you. By the hearing of the ear. I heard what you said, but now my eye sees you. He actively heard God at that point. And how do we know that? Because in the very next verse, he says, Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. He says, I'm gonna make a change. Do we allow the word of God to seek in our hearts where we understand that we're sinners? and that we have problems and that we need God and we need his word to make a change? Is that where our heart is this morning? Or is our heart characterized by that path that we're not going to allow the word of God to make the change? Or is our heart characterized by that stone that prevents us from building that faith? Is it characterized by the thorns? If it is, we have an answer. And that answers Jesus Christ. Ezekiel 36 and verse 26, it says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. If you're here this morning and you are characterized by the first three and any you fall in any of those categories, Jesus Christ made it possible for you to soften that heart. He made it possible for you to allow the word of God to come in and change you and mold you. When he died on the cross, when he lived a perfect life and he allowed himself to be placed on that cross and he shed his blood and he was buried and he was resurrected, when that happened, a message was given that's worth actively hearing. And that's that Jesus Christ died to give you what you needed, and that's hope through his blood. Are you actively hearing that message? If you're here and you've never obeyed the gospel, that's the message to you. You have that opportunity to be forgiven of your sins because Jesus Christ died on that cross for you. Are you actively hearing that this morning? Are you ready to make the change? Are you ready to accept his will for you in your life? And allow Him to change who you are. Or maybe you're here and you are characterized by one of those three soils. He can soften your heart. That's why He died on the cross for us. So that we could be molded and shaped by His Word and in His will. And if you're here this morning and you want to obey the gospel... Again, we encourage you to do that, or if you need the prayers of the church, we can help you with that also if you come to the front as we stand and sing.